It's wonderful that we're talking on October 22nd, the day after Back to the Future Day, October 21st, when Doc and Marty and Jennifer go back to the future, October 21st, 2015. And now here you are, Doug Harvey, going back to the Time Traveler's Guide to the Present with your new director and um, looks like Yoda. I look like Yoda? <laughs> I yes. take offense. I mean. It's not easy being green. It is not. <laughs> and your audiences will never know the truth. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 829, Doug's Time Traveling. RSC actor Doug Harvey took his one-man show, A Time Traveler's Guide to the Present, to this summer's Edinburgh Festival Fringe, where it was a huge success, and Doug is now about to perform it on November 5th, 2022, at the United Solo Festival on 42nd Street in New York City. The current version of Doug's show is directed by Abigail Desser, who is neither green nor big-eared nor a Muppet, but is in fact Doug's guide, mentor, dramaturg, and director. So I was thrilled to talk to them both about how A Time Traveler's Guide to the Present has changed and deepened. Incidentally, it wasn't until I edited this episode that I discovered that I posted my last conversation with Doug about his show, A Time Traveler's Guide to the Present, on October 22nd, 2019, exactly three years ago to the day we recorded this conversation, which, as you'll hear, is not the last timely coincidence involving Doug's time-traveling show. A lot to unpack here. No, yeah. uh, October 21st was yesterday. November 5th, 1955 is also an important date in space-time, right? And that is the day that, uh, well, Marty ends up going back to that date, and, and it's November 12th that he has to get back to 1985. So November 5th actually happens to be the show date for us in New York City uh, for the United Solo Festival, which was like, that was just plucked out of a, out of a jar somewhere in, in, in this timeline, right? Right. Uh, so I'm already extraordinarily pleased with that. That's a, that's a win for us already. Um, and the amount that the show has changed under Abigail's direction and in, in, in wonderful and, and crazy and, and, and ways I couldn't have even imagined. Um, and, and it got us shepherded us to Edinburgh. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be thanking her a lot on this podcast today because, um, it, it was, even well. though I'm green, <laughs> well, she's Yoda. So, and I know you guys have worked together several times. What did you, I mean, I loved the piece and just the script that I read, which is apparently yeah. several versions old yeah. now. I believe you read draft 7.3 and we're now on draft 12.3 heading into a 13. Um, so wow. it's, yeah, we, we've, we've continued to tweak and refine and really um, define some moments uh, that, that I think were a little bit more opaque in the original version. So that was, those were some of the some of the major tweaks we've been making. So has it gotten more cool and, and sci-fi time travel or has it gotten deeper and more personal or both? I think the answer is both. And that's okay. what we were trying to achieve is like really playing into the time travel and, and sci-fi aspects of it and letting those live and breathe 
and not shying away from them. But also, those are all the more delicious when you have a real personal fight that you're fighting in the midst of that. Yeah. Um, and I think I was very opaque specifically about the, the, the personal, um, they're, yeah, the very deeply personal things that were in, the, in that show. Um, and rather than shy away from them, this is a time to be brave, right, and actually, actually show yourself. Um, so... Well, and Abigail, how do what 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 did you respond to in the play? And how do you work? Speaking as a director who's not good at working with living playwrights, mm -hmm. how how do you work with a living playwright who's also the actor in his own piece? I think that's actually what drew me to the project. So Doug and I have worked together on four shows, and he's been the either the lead or the sort of head ensemble member um, in every one of them. Uh, and despite that, uh, I can't say that Doug and I had shared many personal stories. And he called me and asked me maybe a month prior to leaving for Scotland if he might take me up on an offer that I had given him years before to have a fundraiser, I mean, to do the show and do it at my place. And uh, so I wanted to make good on that, but suggested that he come and show me the show since I didn't know what it was and I should be able to talk about it to the people I was inviting. And when he came uh, and presented it to me in a very kind of bare bones fashion, we were sitting there with a script and he, uh, he it provoked so many questions for me about Doug, personal so we stories. So, uh, but we continued to sort of discuss the play and what he hoped to do with it. And really we talked about this fundraiser and then we decided we would go have a piece of pizza before, you know, before we uh, separated. And on that walk to the pizza place, we began to talk about the genesis of the project, but also some of the characters. And uh, like for many people, many things had happened to both of us during the COVID period. Let's call it the COVID era. And, uh, and some of them were difficult and very challenging and, and, and also good things. But we had quite an overlap. Both of us had lost a parent. And uh, we ended up sitting at, over a piece of pizza for about an hour and a half. And I thought, oh, why do I do this? We should be working. And then I realized, no, we are working. This is theater. We are working. And so as we walked back, I was thinking, you know what? This is what isn't yet in the script. Mm. There's all the fantasy. There's beautiful, I mean, you, you, you feel Doug's passion for astronomy, for sci-fi for storytelling but there was kind of a reticence to almost as if he felt he would impose on the audience if he shared a more personal um, version of of this journey and I felt that actually that's exactly what we would crave that's why so, we're here yeah yeah. And so that is the story we began to put in. We began to tell each other stories, and then some of them 
entered the script in one way or another. And so what happened was the spine, you're kind of like a creature that that grew a spine. Oh, That's really what our, ultimately I would say, our, our kind of, the, that this iteration achieved. Was it now this creature has something of a spine and it is an emotional and authentic journey through time. Because we all... We, none of us live just in one moment. Yeah. We live in the past and the present and our wishes for the future, our dreams and fears of the future. So really, to me, it's a great representation of how we experience the world. And we've all, we've all been living through the worst timeline. Uh, um, <laughs> but that is so, but, it, but, it, but what, the, what you're describing is like any great artistic partnership. It's a relationship. You know, and it's doesn't not everybody works well with everybody, you know, um, Reed and I just describe our uh, artistic partnership as uh, as a marriage without the sex, except for that once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it really is. And it's complicated. It's complicated navigating that stuff. But you guys had that a bit of a shorthand having worked together before, which is lovely. Yeah, but but it's a really good point, Austin, in that we had always worked um in a in a partnership of director to actor and this right. was the first time that i got to really sit with abigail and and exchange personal stories and that's necessary to the the artistic process and the building of this creature she calls it right because this was the first time we both got and and we're physically right now sitting on the same side of the table right and that like is such a metaphor mm. for what we ended up doing together right i'd never gotten the honor of that before i'd always it always been we we were checking at main street theater company right uh, Abigail's 200 seats deep into the theater. <laughs> I'm on this big stage and we're calling out to each other, right? And there was always there was always that dynamic and we knew we we functioned extremely well that way in partnership. But this was a discovery of, oh, you're helping me write this, you're dramaturging this with me. Um I you know, there's there's some vulnerability involved there. There's also um, now Abigail's feeling attached to parts of the play and as am I and, and, and navigating that navigating, killing our babies together. Right. Yeah. Um, so we don't have sex. We just kill babies, <laughs> <laughs> which is a kind of sex, I guess you kind, in its way. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes creation is a destructive act. Yes. And you could call it sex for the COVID era. You could just That's say that. Right. right. Directors with benefits. What? No. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nicole Galland, author of the novels I, Iago and The Rise and Fall of Dodo, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll be playing Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel starring Doug Harvey as Hamlet at the Wharton Center in East Lansing, Michigan on November 9th and 10th, 2022. For our performances in early 2023, check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with RSC actor Doug Harvey. He'll be performing his one-man show, A Time Traveler's Guide to the Present, on November 5th, 2022, at the United Solo Festival on 42nd Street in New York City. We're joined by the show's director, Abigail Desser, who was telling me about how the way she and Doug have worked together before informed this current collaboration. (laughs) 
in the last show we did, uh, And Then They Came For Me, which was written by uh, the wonderful James Still, uh, we it was a different relationship in that it was a play, that play had been done hundreds and hundreds of times around the world. It's about the Holocaust. And I felt that the play needed to speak to a contemporary young audience, some of, many of whom had never, had no idea what the Holocaust was even. Um, and I asked my actors to come in as students into the play. I kind of put an envelope, I put the play in an envelope and I didn't change any of the language of the play. But I asked them to come in as students, sort of versions of themselves, coming in to experience the play, the story that's in the play, so that our kids could identify with these actors. And uh, so actually that process was very generative. In other words, you know, Doug and his fellow actors helped me to solve that wasn't something I wrote. We really improvised it and found the shape together. And so I think that extended our relationship in a very concrete way. And I, I think that's what made me trust that Doug would be a partner in this and be able to respond to my notes in the writing in a way that wasn't either too extreme, you know, he would hold on to his sense of his story and what was important and yet be able to collaborate. And I knew that we had already done that in a way. That's amazing. Um, did you, uh, I know that there was a musical component in mm -hmm. the play. Uh, is there still? And and what would you say um, people are respo responded to sort of most in Edinburgh? Yeah, um, we we had major discussions about the looper pedal because it's such a technical. It, it, it's it, it it's an it was an important feature of the 2019 production, um, but I think it was it is such a technical mess potentially. Right, mm -hmm. that when you're taking a show, we had to consider how to make this a suitcase show. Right. right. And um, I think there is a version of this show and Abigail and I've, ta I've talked about this where perhaps I'm playing these this live music early as an overture and then we plug those looper pedal tracks into it later. Mm -hmm. But for the Edinburgh production specifically, we had to create the original score rather than the live music version. And wow. I think this is very effective in some ways because we didn't have to pause the show for me to build some tracks in the middle of it. Right. When you think the going's getting good or, or something interesting is happening, right. We don't have to cut out and all of a sudden uh, it's Doug playing a guitar. Right. Uh, when you want to know about what Grog the caveman's about to do. Um, right. Yeah. You don't want that sad trombone momentum killer. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, you know, one of the kind of um, exciting things about a solo show is virtuosity. To see somebody inhabit, you know, near, near, un, it's not a baker's dozen, I guess it's like the opposite, 11 characters, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with, with no change of clothing, with no change, you know, just kind of magic, the magic yeah. of that. I, I felt 
that that focusing on that and really delivering on that that's that's the pot of gold and Doug could do that actually he started when he started doing the show for me he was um he was almost apologetic that you know the character was he doing it too big was it kind of and then I just thought what he was doing was so beautiful and I was like please fully bring each of these people fully on stage and when he leaned into that there was no more we didn't need much else we didn't really need um bells and whistles and guitar not chords. really yeah not really and I'd seen him do it on stage he'd done it for me you know many times so sure. I knew um but it's it's quite a feat to do that with the pressure of being watched as you transition there's no hidden anything yeah and that just is... Well, and it's also such an opportunity, right? I mean, that's the thing that mm-hmm. I craved as an actor is is the space sure. between, right? And, right? and like because that's where the magic happens. And if you can really get those characters in your bones, uh, the space between is it's going to be a spark every single time. It's sort of like it, it, it fuels you as an actor. The audience gets excited by it. And that's sort of something in Edinburgh that, that I was sensing was as... As we really dialed in, I mean, I felt pretty dialed in by the third or fourth show in Edinburgh. And as that got dialed in, you could sense the audience response specifically to the transitions, I think. Like, we we got laughs out of the transitions, for example. There's one point where the astronomer's talking to Doug, and, you know, he says, well, you know, he told me I would be a perfect candidate for the mission should you choose to accept, right? So, like, just changing, just like, subtle changes that are in that you're you're already in the room and the audience then has to do sort of the, the mental gymnastics of them switching the, where their perspective is in the room. And that's sort of, that's fun for the actor. And I think it's fun for the audience too. Absolutely. Well, and, 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 and Abigail, you're so right. That virtuosity is, is the fun of a one person show. And it sounds like you appropriately uh, took his original show and reduced it. A little bit. <laughs> um, does it as so as a as a sci-fi time travel nerd who hasn't seen the show yet, and I wish I wish I could. Does does uh, time traveler's guide to the present fulfill the promise of the time travely premise? It absolutely does. And what I should should further add is it has a kind of um, uh, oh, I, I, it makes you want to time travel. Because you see somebody who learns things that they could never learn. But my other favorite part of the piece is that it sort of identifies that time travel is very sneaky and you might just fall into a moment Mm -hmm. out of time Mm -hmm. where you see the world in a different way and there's no evidence that you did. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Comedy Podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. RSC actor Doug Harvey's one-man show, A Time Traveler's Guide to the Present, directed by Abigail Desser, will be performed on November 5th, 2022, at the United Solo Festival on 42nd Street in New York City. Go to unitedsolo.org for more information. 
Then send us your ideal timelines via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. You can also follow Doug Harvey on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Doug underscore Harvey underscore or his show itself at Space Time Guides. Thanks as always to Flux Incapacitated Matthew Croak, Web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Terry Sansom. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks again to Nicole Gallant, whose time travel novels The Rise and Fall of Dodo, written with Neil Stevenson, and Master of the Revels are essential reading. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 829 2487ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I really do believe that the best time travel stories are love stories. Mm. And this feels like absolutely one of those. Am I right about that? Yeah, 100%. I, I think uh, in a lot of ways, it's a journey about learning how to trust yourself and, and, and love yourself. Um, but also, um, it's, you know, to, to forgive yourself in that journey um, and, and to uh, thereby be in the present, right? And you can't truly be in the present unless you're able to look into, into someone else's eyes and, and be present with them. Um, and so in, in some ways, there's the irony of that, of it being a one-man show, but at the same time, mm-hmm. being fully present with the audience. Um, and so I think the, the love story comes in that, right? Is if, if they're willing to jump on that journey with you, um, you know, you're, you're celebrating all of that. You're time traveling together. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to reduce for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 And so much less.